Hey, everybody. Thanks for joining us at the Central and Janesville podcast. Please remember to check us out on centraljanesville.com throughout the week. We're excited for wherever God's got you at right now, and we hope this message brings you a little closer. Thanks. I don't know about you, but I'm starting to feel some excitement about the future of the world right now. Uh, it's beginning to feel like there's this hope on the horizon that the COVID pandemic isn't going to rule forever. I don't know if anybody else is feeling that, but it's beginning to feel like things are kind of starting to move forward, and, and I like that feeling for a change. It feels a little bit for me like when I was back in Little League. Um, let me just humbly say that when I started Little League, I really sucked. I was not good. I, I had played softball for maybe three or four years, and I was pretty good at that, but all my buddies got into baseball a year or two before I did. And so eventually I made the switch and I literally could not hit that tiny little baseball that was coming in way faster than that, those big softballs would come in. Um, I just couldn't hit the ball. And so my little league coach that first year actually started to tell me to get really low when I was up to bat in order to try and make myself even smaller so I could just get a walk. Now, can you imagine that me trying to get smaller and all just so that I might get a walk? and get on first base for a change. That coach figured it was probably easier to try and make me smaller and get a walk than actually teach me how to hit. Now, after a few years, my, my first game in year three, I got some hits, and I started to feel the excitement of change coming. It was crazy, it was unbelievable. And first thing I did after the game was I went to my coach and I asked, hey, how many hits did you put me in the, the, in the official scorebook as? Let's just say that is just not cool to do. My flaws were coming out, uh, but they were birthed in the famine of the previous two seasons in Little League. I had started to hate baseball and uh, kind of not able to think that I was ever going to be any good at the sport. And when things started to move in a, in a different direction for me, I didn't know how to handle it. But it was really those two really bad years that brought the real flaws in me to the surface. I lost all confidence. I was on the verge of being willing to cheat or at least be really cheap. Uh -huh just to try to get some success and get a walk and get on first base. You see, tough times naturally bring out the worst in us. And that's why there's so much excitement when we find ourselves maybe moving out of those tough times. Have you maybe found yourself getting stuck during this pandemic? Instead of life slowing up and bringing out your best qualities, has it heightened your flaws in some kind of gross kind of way? Maybe you find that you're not getting outside ever, and so you're, you're so stir-crazy that your patience has been completely wiped out. Or maybe you've socially, you're drawing so inward that you've become self-focused and haven't reached out to the people in your life at all. Maybe you've just stopped caring about things that you once cared about. Laziness and apathy has crept in and you don't know how to turn things around. What hope do we have when we find all these flaws coming to the forefront in our lives? Now, I'll tell you what most people do. They give in. They say, I can't come back from this. It's a lost cause. I might as, well, might as well just let the slide continue. But it doesn't have to be that way for us. Our story today can show all of us that there is a hope coming out of the famine that, that we get steeped into and these glaring mess-ups come out. There is hope in the middle of that famine. So we're going into the story of Abram today. And in a time when there was this severe famine in the land, and leading up to the story, Abram, uh, who eventually gets, gets renamed as Abraham, and I'm likely to slip up and call him Abraham a few times a day, so whatever. But Abram was given a promise from God that he was going to be made into a great nation. 
So at 75 years old, he left where he had been living and he made this journey to this land called Canaan. But because of this famine that comes into land, he didn't stay in Canaan. He had to retreat to Egypt for a while. And so that's where we actually pick up the story. This comes from Genesis 12, verses 10 through 20. Now there was a famine in the land and Abram went down to Egypt to live there for a while because the famine was severe. As he was about to enter Egypt, he said to his wife, Sarai, I know what a beautiful woman you are. When the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is his wife. Then they will kill me, but they'll let you live. Say you're my sister so that I will be treated well for your sake and my life will be spared because of you. When Abraham or Abram came to Egypt, the Egyptians saw that Sarai was a very beautiful woman. And when Pharaoh's officials saw her, they praised her to Pharaoh and she was taken into his palace. He treated Abram well for her sake and Abram acquired sheep and cattle, male and female donkeys, male and female servants, and camels. But the Lord inflicted serious diseases on Pharaoh and his household because of Abram's wife, Sarai. So Pharaoh summoned Abram. What have you done to me? He said. Why did you tell me that this was your, was your wife? Why did you say she's my sister? That, so that I would take her to be my wife. Now then, here's your wife. Take her and go. Then Pharaoh gave orders about Abram to his men, and they sent him on his way with his wife and everything he had. Now this famine that overtakes the land, it's, it's not a, the only famine that actually gets talked about in the book of Genesis. It happens again to Abram's grandson, Abraham's grandson, Jacob, and his sons. Uh, they end up doing the same thing that Abram does here. Uh, they made their way to Egypt. Now why would both Abram and eventually his descendants go to Egypt during a famine? And part of the reason is that Egypt wasn't as vulnerable to a, to a famine as the surrounding lands were. Uh, while droughts would completely destroy the surrounding lands, Egypt could turn to the Nile River for at least some amount of, of rescue from a lack of rainfall. Egypt is almost like some kind of like Mideastern safe place in the book of Genesis. And let's be honest, we all find ourselves in need of kind of a safe place sometimes. Who doesn't go after a bowl of ice cream, or for me, a bowl of cereal, when you're kind of feeling a little stressed out or down about something? Like, I could eat cereal by the box on a really bad day. Cinnamon Toast Crunch, yeah, all day. Who doesn't run to the basement when an annoying neighbor starts walking up the driveway to knock on your door? You guys don't do that? Okay, like we've all, we've all got our safe places, but what do you do in your time of spiritual famine? When you feel like you're in a spiritual desert, where do you go? The, the truth is most of us expect God to come to the rescue and rescue us from that place. We feel like it's a place that we can't get out of on our own. But here's a fact that's, I think, really interesting when you look at this story. The famine existed in Egypt, just like it did the surrounding areas, but it wasn't nearly as severe because there was something there that could give people life. In a time of spiritual famine, you've got to make your way for a place where the effects of the famine is less likely. You may not be able to find your way to a place where all of a sudden you're spiritually just, it's free and easy, but maybe there's a, a person that you need to get away from. Maybe there's a darkness that you feel in one place that you won't feel in another place. In a time of spiritual famine, it's important to ask yourself this, is the place I'm in making it less likely that I'm going to find the nourishment that I'm looking for. People have had to leave 
a job when they've realized that the job that they were in was it was like making this spiritual desert in their life. Being honest here, when my wife and I look for a home to live in, uh, we look for a living room with really adequate sunlight. For me, the warmth of sunlight, it's like finding the Nile River in the middle of a long drought. Spiritually speaking, if you feel like you're in a desert, first place you might want to look to is your surroundings. Is there something you can do about your surroundings? Or is there some place that you can go where the famine is going to be less potent. Sometimes we, we just really need to get up and move. Uh, maybe, that, maybe that's more figuratively, like putting our minds in the right place uh, to get free of the spiritual famine. But oftentimes, for me at least, it actually means taking my body to a place where I'm less likely to experience the effects of a spiritual famine. Where is your Egypt? Where is that place that you need to get back to where it's easiest for you to be healthy in your spirit? Now, Abram wasn't healthy in his spirit just because he made it to Egypt where there was more food and water. He was still in a bad place. He was forced into someone else's homeland. And this famine, it did something to Abram. In some way, it broke him. I want you to listen to how scared he was when he entered this land. Verses 11 through 13. As he was about to enter Egypt, he said to his wife Sarai, I know what a beautiful woman you are. When the Egyptians see you, they're going to say, this is his wife. Then they're going to kill me, but they're going to let you live. Say you are my sister so that I will be treated well for your sake and my life will be spared because of you. Just getting to Egypt wasn't going to be enough for everything to become fine in Abram's life. This dude was scared. He was was scared because his wife was too gorgeous. And I'm sorry, but that's about the funniest thing that, that I think anyone in the Bible has ever been scared of. So his friend is like asking him, dude, why are you shaking? What's wrong? Like, why are you so scared? And Abram replies, bro, have you seen my wife? She's, she's just too hot. Like, it's going to kill me. It's going to get me killed. And that friend's probably like, dude, let me have your awful problem. Like, <laughs> the famine had beaten Abram down in a way. And when you get beaten down, the bad tends to creep to the surface and come out. And for Abram, The flaw that came to the surface was a debilitating fear. That's what famine does. Famine exposes our flaws. When do you make your biggest mistakes? It's not when you've had your best day after the best night of sleep in your life ever, right? No, it's when the baby was crying all night long and you got a half hour of sleep. Your evil twin comes out when you've had no time to breathe because you've been working overtime at work on this major project, trying to get ready before the big due date. You get most mad at the other drivers when you left the house too late and you gave yourself zero time to spare whatsoever. Famine brings out the worst in you and me. Your famine might be spiritual famine. You're dry spiritually and you've had nothing going on in your life on a spiritual level to fill you up and now your character, it's all messed up. Your famine might be a famine of rest. You've had no adequate rest and now you're taking it out on everyone and everything. And in turn, it's turning you into a beast. Uh, Your famine might be a famine of time. Before COVID, most of us were probably in this this area of famine where we just didn't have enough time. You're unable to make relationships happen because you're running from one unnecessary endeavor to the next. Something was missing in in Abram. Uh, This famine brought out the worst of his flaws. A man who often listened to and trusted God's voice, now he's lying to Egyptian government officials because 
He's scared. He's saying that his, his wife is a sister and he's letting Pharaoh take her to be his own wife. That's messed up. But that wasn't the worst of it. His experience of famine led to a mess that carried well beyond his own life. Listen to what happened after Pharaoh took Abram's wife as his own. Verse 17 says, But the Lord inflicted serious diseases on Pharaoh and his household because, Abram, because of Abram's wife Sarai. The flaws that that famine exposed in Abram, it led to a widespread disease. You see, you think that your issues are just that, that they're just your issues, but it's so much bigger than that. Your flaws almost never only affect you. They affect everybody around you. You see, here's one truth that we need to understand this morning. Famine exposes our flawed plans, which often lead to a miserable mess. When your flaws... Uh, come out, it's inevitable that, that you come up with flawed plans for how to deal with what you're experiencing during your famine. And those plans almost inevitably are going to hurt the people around you. When I'm experiencing famine in my work, uh, not getting everything done that I want to, and I, I don't have the time that I want to, or I, or I don't make good use of the time that I have, my flaw is to try to make that up uh, by being distracted during my family time. I pull out my computer or my phone, and I'm not present with my wife and my kids. I make this flawed plan to make up all this time, catch up on all this work by ne neglecting my family. And it's stupid, right? But is it familiar to anyone else? You know, and soon I have this miserable mess on my hand. My wife wants to destroy every single one of my electronic devices. My kids bug my wife for everything because they've tried to talk to me and I didn't hear them. My actions in times of famine often cause a miserable mess that it doesn't help anybody. Here's another flawed plan, uh, creating an even bigger mess than the mess that it helped alleviate. Uh, there was an, elect, uh, an eccentric magazine publisher, uh, an inventor named Hugo Gernsback, who wanted to take away the, the workplace distractions way back in 1925, before all the tech distractions that we have today. Um, and to solve this problem, he suggested this new device called an isolator. And it, it re resembled kind of a large diver's helmet. It was a helmet that would go on your, your head, and the isolator would block all the clickety-clack of office equipment, the ringing of phones, door chimes, the chatter of coworkers. And through two small eye holes, a person could focus solely on the work in front of them and nothing else until the oxygen tank ran out. Yeah, you couldn't breathe without it. Like, you might be focused on your work, but you were going to die if the oxygen tank ran out. Flawed plans born out of famine cause miserable messes. Abram's flawed plans caused this disease on Pharaoh and his household. Can you imagine that? Like a disease like this in the ancient world would have been believed to have been something that was sent by the gods. Uh, and the gods were, were, were doing this because they were offended. Something that you did offended them. And so this sudden disease would have caused an investigation as to what the offensive behavior could have been in Pharaoh's household. And so when Pharaoh makes the discovery that Abram had in fact given him his own wife, the reprimand that Pharaoh handed out, it wasn't about Abram's poor ethics. The reprimand was given because it put Pharaoh and his household in jeopardy to these gods, is what they thought. Now a flawed plan brought on by a famine in your life will likely put someone else's well-being in jeopardy. While you might hurt yourself, your flaws, they're going to cause other people pain too. And that's why we need to find ways to move forward. But it's also why we must continually rely on mercy. 
in this story, there is mercy. And, and really, it's quite fascinating. Abram didn't enter Egypt with much. He had a pretty wife, not much else. But then his flaws creep up. And he gives his wife over to Pharaoh, and he starts obtaining wealth. Uh, verse 16, it says, Pharaoh treated Abram well for her sake, and Abram acquired all kinds of stuff. <laughs> Sheep, cattle, male and female donkeys, male and female servants, camels. After receiving all this, Pharaoh's house gets hit with this disease. And then he sends Abram away, and, but he doesn't send him away empty-handed. It says in verses 19 and 20, he says, Here is your wife. Take her and go. And then Pharaoh gave orders about Abram to his men, and they sent him on his way with his wife and everything he had. And it doesn't seem weird that it seems as though God actually blessed Abram's crazy, stupid plans. He didn't die at the hands of Pharaoh. He got his wife back. He got all kinds of wealth given to him by Pharaoh, and he got to keep all of it, everything. He left Egypt a much wealthier man than he had entered Egypt. But why? The Old Testament is full of narrative that ultimately points to what you and I have in Jesus. And in Jesus, we know this. There is mercy for every mess. You might not escape your flaws with great wealth like Abram did. And in fact, it's actually unlikely that that's probably the case. But in Abram's day, what greater way could God show mercy than to show mercy by letting Abram keep the riches that he hadn't really earned? See, you and I, we haven't earned God's favor. In fact, we're like Abram. We've done everything humanly possible to disqualify ourselves from God's favor. But when you entrust your flaws to Jesus, you will walk away blessed. That's a promise for us. That's a promise that's displayed through the mercy that God shows to Abram through Pharaoh. And keep this in mind, the riches that you get in heaven will be greater and even more undeserved than the riches that Abram was able to walk out of Egypt with. There is mercy for every mess that you make. The question that we all need to wrestle with today, and I think every day, is what do I need to do with my flaws in order to move forward? What do we need to do with our flaws so that we can move forward? There's no getting away from this fact. You will exhibit flaws every day that you live. We typically default to our flawed behaviors. I don't default to all my good behaviors. And there's one remedy for that default, and it's called confession and repentance. Confession and repentance. When you confess and turn away from that default, flawed default mode of yours, you turn the key to your personal revival of your spirit. Mercy comes upon confession. Had Abram denied that Sarai was his wife when he was confronted, how many of you think that he would have actually left Egypt with mercy shown to him? Probably not. Probably would have been killed. Uh, but confession and repentance is a doorway to receiving mercy. Ephesians 2, 4 says that God is rich in mercy because of his great love for us. So quit living in that spiritual desert. Quit digging in and doubling down on your flaws. Uh, mercy is right around the corner. It's waiting for you. The flaws in your life may be exposed right now, but that's okay. The flaws aren't, they're not a sign that you're hopeless. Flaws are simply a place where God gets to show you his mercy. You think about it, a home that has exposed nails everywhere, it's not going to fall over that day. It's not even really uninhabitable. It just needs someone to come in and, and to give it some tender, loving care. You're going to be okay 
as long as you open yourself up to Jesus, to the Holy Spirit, to come in and do the TLC that you're in need of. Have you taken any time to sit and get honest with yourself recently? Have you identified areas where you're struggling and not living to the level of your potential? Has a close loved one or a friend tried to get your attention about an area of your life that needs some addressing, but you keep on saying, ah, you guys are the ones with the problem, not me. Here's what we need to know about God. God is the great initiator. Whenever you open the door just a little bit to him, he initiates something that's even bigger and better. You just have to open the door to God's move in your life and he will take it and he will run with it. Look at the mercy that God placed on Abram's life. He didn't deserve everything that he got. For a long time, he lied about his wife. He was scared, he was a coward. But when the truth came out and he came clean, God blessed him with more than he ever deserved. There is mercy for you if you'll be willing to come clean before Jesus. Here's the thing about it. He already knows your flaws. He knows them better than you do. You're not tricking him. In fact, I think trying to trick God about our flaws, it's like being that kid in the back of the class who's smoking cigarettes behind his math textbook. Doesn't think the teacher sees it. Teacher sees it. Teacher ain't dumb. And God isn't dumb either. He sees what, he sees what our flaws are. Let's just come to him. Let's admit him. Today, is there anything in your life where you need to just make a confession to God about? Is there some part of you that's living in the middle of a famine and it's just time to repent and start making the practice of turning your life in a whole nother direction? Some of us, we keep from repenting because we feel like if we just pretend like there's nothing to repent of, then God is never going to know and it's going to be fine. But that's not fine. And God knows. And God is always itching to give you mercy when you take the time to come clean and express the desire to find a better way forward. And the best of all, you don't have to find that better way forward all on your own. We're told that God will make your paths straight before you. Better than you could ever make them straight for yourself. Proverbs 3 says this, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your paths straight. If you're stuck today, you don't have to be stuck any longer. Let's choose to put our hope and trust in the mercy of Jesus today. Let's choose to let Jesus guide us out of whatever spiritual famine we've been living in. Maybe you'll need to take some time tonight and write in a journal. Maybe the flaws aren't yet at the surface where they need to be, and you can't see what those flaws are. Maybe you need to ask your spouse what flaws uh, you're not seeing in your life. Maybe ask a good friend. But however you've got to do it, it's okay and it's healthy to realize what those flaws are and to trust Jesus to show you the mercy that you need to overcome. Let's choose to overcome today. Why don't you pray with me? Lord, I thank you so much that you give us the power to overcome. God, we are all flawed people. We're all messed up. And we are in need of your grace and your mercy. God, I thank you for this story of Abram that shows us that even in the height of his, his fear and his cowardice, you still, you still showed him mercy. You still gave him things that he didn't deserve. God, we, we, we need right now what we don't deserve. We need your mercy. God, help us. Help us to, to come to you in confession and in repentance, to put our flaws out on the table before you and to let you go to work on them. God, I can't do it myself. I need your help. I need your Holy Spirit 
to do the TLC in my life that I can't do myself. Help us all this week, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for joining us on the Central and Janesville podcast. Remember to check us out at centraljanesville.com. Have a great week.